glad that uh, for all that uh, came back to be a part of the services this afternoon, and uh, I pray the Lord will bless for those that are uh, out in uh, faraway lands that are reachable only by the internet or radio or whatever. Uh, we're glad that you're with us today. Let's take our Bibles. Let's go over to the Songs of Solomon, chapter one, also referred to as the Canticles. Uh, let's go to Songs of Solomon. We're going to be looking at a wonderful little passage of a couple of verses that we want to enjoy together. All right, Songs of Solomon, chapter one, and verses one through four is what we're going to be reading. Now. As I stated that, we really want to spend some time on what marriage is all about. And I know this, is that you can teach me all you want to teach me about marriage. I am not the world's greatest uh, expert. But one of the things that I have noticed, with all the human relations that I try to get involved with, and I've studied everything from, um, you know, the characteristics of individuals, uh, what makes people happy, or this, that, and the other, and no matter how much I study, I find one thing. I don't even understand myself, much less human individuals. Um, every now and then, and it's like this, whenever I have the opportunity to perform a wedding, I like to also have counseling with the individuals before the wedding. And when I do the counseling, I will ask them specific questions about what they want, you know, what, what do they know about themselves. And one of the things that I use as a practice is called the rose-colored glasses practice. Do you realize that before young couples get married, they look at the woman, or he looks at the woman, she looks at him, and they find no flaws whatsoever about them. And what I do is I'll hand them a piece of paper and, and I'll have them either set back to back or, you know, in opposite rooms so they can't even see each other. And on the one side, I will say, now write down all the things that you dislike about the woman. Or you write down all the things you dislike about the man. And it will really be sad that the things that a lot of times a woman will say that she likes about the guy will be his, his, his heavy chest or his, his um, beautiful eyes or his, his flowing hair or, you know, just, just some bodily feature. And he will also talk about the woman's figure, about how she looks, you know, the beautiful face she has, and so on and so forth. And then, uh, then he will, they might write some little thing, well, it kind of annoys me when she does this or if he does that. And then I'll have him flip the paper and say, now write down all the things that you dislike about an individual. So they write on one side all the likes, and on the other side they write down all the dislikes. But when they finally have a chance to take the papers, I said, now I want you to mark through everything that is physically approachable. And they go, what do you mean physical? Are you still going to love this woman when all of her teeth fall out of her head? Are you going to still love this woman when all of her hair comes out of her head? Are you still going to love this man where instead of having flowing hair, he has rolls of hair that go around the side? And, you know, it's amazing that they've never looked at each other as they get older. And they say, well, how can you tell what the person's going to look like when they get older? So look at their parents. You know, are you going to see the parent in the family, how the parents act, and, you know, so on and so forth. Reality is, is that if I could bring a young couple down to understand what is involved in marriage, especially in this generation, especially at this time, the much better. Most of us that have ever gone through any kind of marriage counseling, we probably didn't get any marriage counseling. 
I remember that basically my uh, I wanted to go through marriage counseling, and I remember that the uh, young preacher that was there said, "Well, do you love her?" "Well, yeah." "Does she love him?" "Yeah." "Well, that's, that satisfies my case. You know, let's just go get married." But it never occurred to me all the issues that we would face because of two individuals. I always thought that marriage would be something beautiful. No one ever told me that marriage was a challenge. I want you to read with me from Solomon, Songs of Solomon, or known as the Canticles, chapter 1, verse 1. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Let, me kiss him, uh, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. Ooh, isn't that romantic? Let me kiss him. You know, how many of us have swooned over someone's kisses? You know, and so here it says, and his kisses are better than wine. In other words, they bring me into an ecstasy. They bring me into wonderful favor. Look at verse 3. Because of the savor of thy good ointments, thy name is his ointment poured forth. Therefore do the virgins love thee. In other words, he don't stink. He doesn't stink. Look at verse 4. Draw me, we will run after thee. The king hath brought me into the chambers. We will be glad and rejoice in thee. We will remember thy love more than wine and upright love thee. Let us pray. Father, again, we thank you for your blessings. Help us now, dear Father, to understand the things which you give us. And bless and direct now, fortune Christ, we pray. Amen. I'd like for us to now take our Bibles and let's go all the way back to the book of Genesis chapter 2. And in Genesis chapter 2, we're going to spend the majority of our time here in the book of Genesis. And I want us to see a little bit about what is involved when it comes to marriage. Now, I've had many opportunities, and I will, I'll tell you this. I've gotten to a place in my life where I almost don't want to do weddings anymore. The main reason is, is that weddings, for the most part, have no stick to it. To it. And, uh, you know, the reality is, is that uh, we, we go into mindset to one area, and it's nothing like what we expect in marriages. You know, I, I'll put it this way. I grew up, and I state this with my parents all the time. My dad was hardworking. My mom was one of those individuals that there wasn't a dust bunny that ever escaped her sight in the house. But mom was an excellent cook. She could do things and always had meals ready. But the most amazing time for me as a child growing up, I remember I would get up and there would be mom and dad sitting at the table and they would enjoy a cup of coffee together. I remember that because they would talk about their day and they would talk about the things that were important to them over a cup of coffee. And by the time I walked into the uh, kitchen area, you know, where they were at or where they were sitting at the dining, they would say, how you doing, son? Now, when I got older, I would prepare my own breakfast, mainly because my sister was born, and, and I would help take care of her. But reality is, is that I didn't see a problem with marriage. I wanted, uh, I wanted to have a relationship similar to what mom and dad had without all of the drama. Well, the reality is, is that many times we don't realize that marriage requires heavy-duty drama. Look at chapter, uh, chapter 2, and let's go down to verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good for man that, man, that the man should be alone. I will make a help me for him. Now, I'm going to stop there this, this morning, and we're going to try to expound on what we see 
in regards to this message. The first thing I want you to see is the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. What we don't realize, and what we oftentimes forget, is that this is an outside spoken word. In other words, there are things that the Lord might say that would be silent, but he is speaking. Who is he speaking to? Well, let's go to Genesis chapter 1, <coughs> and let's go down to verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our... I want you to stop there just for a moment. The plurality of... He wasn't speaking to the angels, though I believe the angels were created. He wasn't speaking to Satan, though I believe Satan was created. He was speaking in the most amazing area to himself. Let us create man in our image. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. After our Now watch this. So God said to himself, speaking of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image. So that is what we're seeing in verse 26 of chapter 1. In chapter 2, verse 18, this is in the same context. It's as though the Lord is now saying, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to have to deal with things by himself to live alone, to deal with things of his own life without any kind of help. And so, and, and I want you to get this picture. Reality is, God had You see, God didn't create everything of two of a kind. He made multiplicity of kind. So like when we were talking about the brontosaurus, I believe there were several thousand brontosaurus. I believe there were th several thousand bison. I think there were several thousand cattle and so on and so forth. The reason I say that is when the earth was destroyed by the great flood, we are still living on the resources that came about because of those creatures. How many of you realize that the oil that we actually use, the crude oil, is dinosaur oil? It's the oils that were, you know, fisted up inside of them. Uh, and if you go out west, you will see a sign that will say Dino. Uh, you know, there used to be a Sinclair. How many of you all remember the Sinclair gas? And Sinclair gas often had that dinosaur that was their, their biggest image, indicating that the crude oil that we had was crude oil that was brought forth because of, of those dinosaurs. Well, the reality is, is that we don't know how many creatures were there, but we do know that there was one Adam, and later on there would be one Eve. Now let that sink in. One Adam and one Eve. And because there was one Adam and one Eve, there's a lot more that we can see in the case of this study. Let's go on and let's see what we're talking about. And it said, and the Lord God said, I will make him a helpmeet for him. All right? So when we take a look at this indication of a help me, it is one that we see the indication of someone who is saying, I will adjoin or I will bring someone that will bring help to another. Now we're going to get into that a little bit more as we come into place. So the Lord God, when they were speaking, says, it's not good for man to be alone. You know what the real hurt is today? The hurt is, is that men seek all their lives for a mate that will come into their life, but they don't know what they're going to find when they find that mate. 
But on the other token is that once we get a mate, how do we treat her? How do we respond to her? How do we take care of her? Vice versa. Where is the faithfulness that we should expect out of a woman? It's amazing how many times that I will turn on the, uh, the TV set or I will see something that is uh, always speaking of adultery or things like that. And, and people kind of mock it or they laugh it off. The reality is, is that somebody is going to get hurt. No matter how you look at it, I don't care how soon you have a relationship breakdown, I don't care how quickly things may happen, you're going to get someone that's going to get hurt. Well, let's go on down. Notice that the Lord God then, and I want you to see that this is all tied together. We go down to verse 20, and God gave names to all and to the fountain of the earth and the beasts of the field for Adam, but for Adam there was not found to help me for him. In other words, God showed Male and female horses. You have bison, male and female bison. You have deer, male and female deer, and so on and so forth. Everything that you find in the creation that God had established was there was a male and there was a female, that those two were together. But that wasn't for Adam. Now here's a reason why the name the name is there. Now I want you to go on down with me. And the Lord God called the deep sink to fall upon Adam. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh thereof. Now what God was going to make was the, the, the very best that Adam could possibly have. I used to make this mistake. For years and years I made this statement. I said, God took from Adam all of the things that would create Eve. That's not true. When God took the rib, the only thing he took from Adam was the rib, but he made the woman a very special individual. Now I want you to get this. Men, let's be honest about who we are. We are made physical. You know, and reality is if you take a man and you bring him together, a man will love the rough house. A man loves to rough and tumble and do all the things that are there. That, that's the nature of a man. But when it comes to a woman, she likes to be tender. She may want a rough house every now and then. She may want to punch you in the gut. And, and we, we oftentimes do that. Go ahead, honey. Hit me in the gut. See how strong I am. Man, I'm telling you what. Some women know how to hit you in the gut. They know how to hit just right. And you go, that's the best you got. You know, it doesn't matter anyway. It's going to have an effect on you. But the reality is, is that God made woman very special. I love what someone said. God did not take her from the head, the bone from the head, in order to make her above man. He did not take her from the fist so that man would abuse her. He did not take her from the feet so man would walk over her. Instead, he took her from the side so she would walk next to him. Reality is, is that when God took the rib, he formed the woman from the rib. He could have used any part of man. He could have actually used dust and it would have been the same. But God said, I want there to be the physical attachment. When I talk to young couples, one of the things that I find, and, and it's amazing, how many times the young couples will turn around and say, well, she does this or she'll do that. And I'll say, are you, are you going to be good with that? I guarantee you that she has her own thoughts. And matter of fact, may I put this out to you? God did not make a robot and call her a woman. God made her very special. She's emotional. 
she thinks on things. She is, she is better equipped to raising children than we as men are. Now you give me a, a, a young boy, and I can really mold that young boy, but who's going to lead that young boy into the presence to where he can now go with the father? Remember this, is that when Sarah gave birth to Isaac, he was five years of age still sucking from the mother's breast. Five years of age. Nowadays, we want to wean a child just as fast as we can, but there was the closeness, there was the tenderness, there was that, that grouping that allowed that to occur. And only when he was able to take meat into his body or bread into his body and sustain to that, that's when you had the separation and he was given over to the Father for additional training. Reality is, the idea of kindergarten as well as to the, the matrimonial uh, training that a child will get all comes from a biblical presence. Do you realize that at the age of 12, a young man was expected to be able to prove himself that he was knowledgeable of the things of God? They called that literally the bar mitzvah to this day. But you take a child nowadays and we're saying, oh, but they're just a child. Let me just put it this way. If a child does not know how to behave before they're 12 years of age, they will never know completely how to behave. If a child doesn't know the, the reverence that is in the house of God, they will never know that reverence. The reality is, is that when we are given the responsibility of a child, even in marriage, we are thinking, I'm bringing a child the example that I want God Now watch what we see here. And the Lord God And, and the rib which the Lord God sent to the man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And notice again the context and the tying in. In verse 18 we saw that God had uh, said there was no help for him, brought the animals to him, and said, now what are you going to call him? Now watch this. Now he makes Eve and he says, what are you going to call her, Adam? Do you realize Adam did not call her Adam. Another Adam. What we find is the name in Hebrew is, is Isha. Beautiful name, Isha. Meaning one that is a help to me. You know, I sometimes really, really am enjoying this. When I get that opportunity to watch a young man and a young woman together, I look to see where that example of help is going to be. How do I know that there's going to be a help there? And that's one of the reasons I'm going to counsel. How do you want to help? I'm going to tell you something, ladies. If you're a boy, he's more interested in the things that are on that phone than he is in you. And young ladies, if you're more interested in The damage that has occurred with our modern cell phone system is it's too entertaining for our own good. How many of us remember the old telephone? I remember party line. I remember
so she would literally plug that in, and she had a little to make it work. I remember that very well. She showed me where the office was for the switchboard. And I remember this statement that my dad made one time to his mother and father, and this was shared with me, not only by my dad, but my grandparents. Dad looked at mom and his mother and father and said, I'm going back to Kentucky, and I'm going to find me the right woman. <laughs> now, how many of us would want the right woman brought into our life? Do you realize that's what exactly what Abraham wanted when he ordered his servant, don't take a woman of these Canaanite women. Go back and find the proper woman for my son. We, we're living in, I remember this, is that when I, when I was dating, to me one of the great honors above all things was to bring a woman to or bring a young girl to my dad's house or mom and dad's house and I wanted dad to meet them and the reason is is that I wanted not only dad's approval I wanted dad's direction that doesn't come unless you have a real close relationship with your parents and you know of all the girls that I ever dated only one met my dad's disapproval and he looked at me and he said, you'll never bring that girl back here again. And I looked at that and I thought, what's wrong with this girl? Evidently, Dad saw something that I didn't see. That was I too blind to listen? Now here's the beautiful thing. Do you realize that at the beginning, when God brought Adam and Eve together, when he brought the woman to man, he was instituting the first marriage. How do I know that? Look at verse 24 of Genesis chapter 2 and notice the statement. Therefore shall men And the marriage in the marriage that we can find with the Jewish people, it's amazing. Not only did you have the original attachment that was built to the house of the father, the bridal chamber, but later on, we would find even before the first baby was born that the, man, that the young man would have to have his own place to live. And so he would build up a proper chamber. But notice it said, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother. It doesn't mean that he abandons his father and mother. You know, I still miss my dad. There's times that you know, and I find that so many times I had a young man say to me the other day, I've never had a dad-like figure. You are more like my dad than I've ever had. That's an honor to me. And the reason it's such an honor is because I want that relationship to exist between me and somebody else. Not only my son, but whoever God brings my way. Do you realize that in many ways, uh, the word pastor means leading the, the sheep to the right field? So that if that means training up young men to be men, then that's the way it should be. Now, I'm not really equipped how to really train a woman to be a woman, but I have the scripture, and don't look at her like that. Anyway, and so I want you to know that looking at the, the, the scripture teaches me how a woman should be. Look what it says. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife. Do you know why there's that cleaving? One flesh. 
But notice this. Cleave unto his wife. Do you realize the first time the word wife is used in all of Scripture is in Genesis chapter 2, all the way down to verse 24. In Ephesians chapter 5, once again, Paul reiterates this verse. In the statement, he goes all the way back from Genesis chapter 2. He said, ladies, gentlemen, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Do you realize that one flesh means one in unity? You know what's really hard today? I don't see that a lot of times. I see the sexual desire, but I don't see the natural struggle that's going to come with life. That's what chapter 3 is all about. That's what chapter 3 is all about. And, I, and as I read chapter 3 today, and in the time we have left, I want to go with that. In chapter 3, I begin to see a little bit more about the woman and the kind of woman that God made. Do you realize that in the world which we live in today, they want to talk about when was the first person or when did we have our first communications? And the first communication was some caveman and went, oh. <laughs> Now I know a lot of guys talk that way today. But the reality is, is that God made Adam with great intelligence. Probably the greatest of all intelligence. He taught him how to survive. And I really believe that the Lord God remained on the earth even after he chased them out of the land of Eden. I believe that he remained upon the earth to teach Adam how to take care, how to make clothes. We oftentimes see how that he had uh, stripped the animal of its skin and made coats for them. There was a teaching moment at that moment. But I want you to see the failure of the man to watch the woman. Why? The woman was intelligent, but God made her that she needed to be protected. Now let this sink in. And nowadays in, in our country, and this is so sad, I see everywhere that we go so many women saying, I don't need a man's protection. Yes, you do. I teach karate. When I was younger, I taught karate. And the one that I wanted to teach the most were women. And one of the things that we would find out is that women are always going to be subject to the attack. Sadly, we're also seeing the same thing with young men. And we would teach the defense for a young woman. If anybody attacks you, this is what you have to do. But why is it that men prey upon women? Because they have something that, that woman has something that he wants, which is sexually driven, but he's not patient enough to get it the right way, God's way. I'm on Facebook. And it is so sad to me that literally every day, or it seems like every day, I get a new invite from someone that I don't know, and they want me to be their friend. And I'm not going to be their friend. And I'll ask them, do you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? I'll message them, man. I'll tell them, say, I'm a Baptist minister. My first question to you is, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And if they say no, then you don't want to be a friend with me. I had a lady one time, she wrote in Chinese characters, you evil man, you. And I wrote back in Chinese characters, I'm not evil, I'm redeemed. 
And if you want to know the secret on how to read Chinese characters, I'll let you know sometime. But the reality is, is that that's what occurred. But notice what happened with Eve. There's every indication that Adam was really nearby when Eve ate of the fruit of the forbidden tree. Let me show you what I'm talking about. In verse 1 of chapter 3, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, and the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, The beast said to the woman, Not only is the woman able to understand what the beast is going to say, but she can answer intelligibly. Notice what it said. And said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge in the midst of the God never said, don't touch it. I can almost see the instruction of Adam, because you see in Genesis chapter 2 verse 17, the instruction came from God to Adam. And I can almost see Adam saying to Eve, just Let me just tell you this. If you want to send in good instruction, take the word of God and instruct a woman or a man or anybody else and say, God said, God said, God said, and show them exactly what God said. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. The first defiance of the word of God. For God doth know that in the day thereof you shall, your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now watch this. Do you realize Satan approached Eve right where she would be hindered? He approached Eve with the emotional, and he approached Eve with the knowledge. There's nothing wrong with knowledge. I love teaching someone, and many times when I'm working on something, I will get, I'll get the opinion of several men with me to see what they think is the best course. I'm glad to do it. But may I point this out to you? In this case, we already see the serpent knowing what this woman would want. If you don't think Satan's not watching you every minute of the day, you better guess again. He knows what you desire. He knows what you like. He knows what you dislike. Satan knows what you do in private. He knows what you do in public. Aren't you glad that you're not written down in this book for everybody else to see? There's also certain things that God never intended for us to have. I, I, I tell you what, when God... When, when, when Satan told Eve, God is holding out on you because he knows what evil will do, she did not know evil. And quite frankly, even now in this day, people do not know how to handle evil, no matter how you look at it. I, I, I work around Huntington all the time. And the amount of drugs, I mean, I, I've gotten so sick over the smell of marijuana. You go down in certain ways and you can just smell the marijuana everywhere. And everyone's saying, it's not affecting me. But have you ever looked in the glazed eyes of an individual who's on marijuana at that time? I got news for you. We don't need alcohol. We don't need marijuana. We don't need any other drug. I have seen my own family torn apart because of these drugs. And any time that people tell me that it's okay, it's all right. No, no, no. People don't even know how to handle medications. 
I got news for you. Every now and then, I'll get a kidney stone. And, and uh, you know, if I have a kidney stone, my last resort is to take a painkiller. And I don't like it. Because I don't like the feeling of that painkiller. Coffee is about as strong as I get, guys. But the reality is, is that we don't know how to handle sin. We don't. And I want to show you something. Immediately, her eyes were open. She brought to her husband. I don't know what she said. We're not given privy to that opportunity. But she convinced her husband to eat, and he did eat. And then her eyes were open, and we can go all the way down through this. But I want you to go with me, if you will. And let's take a look at what was said unto the woman. Let's go down to verse 16 of this same chapter 3 of the book of Genesis. And notice what we find here. And unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. Conception means the desire to have a baby. Conception means the heat that goes on in passion. That's, that's literally the scriptural definition of it. And notice that in giving the birth of a baby, it is painful. They say a woman comes closest to death at giving birth. You know what's also interesting? Only one other place do we ever see the word travail mentioned in death. And that was when Jesus was up on the cross of Calvary. Imagine giving birth to us. The travail upon the cross of Calvary meant that the Lord rid himself not only of the anguish and the pain that was there in life, but when he cried out, it is finished, he gave birth to us. That's amazing. But notice in the desire that is here. And in sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband. I got news for you ladies, listen to me. And the desire of the husband will be to the wife. There is more control. I've talked to so many men. I've even done this with my own family. My wife is keeping me from enjoying life. I think this, whether we have two incomes into a house or a single income coming into a house, that income should be shared with the husband and wife and they should talk about every penny that is spent. When a baby comes on the way, it should be the most beautiful, the most amazing part of life. The moment that I heard that my oldest child was going was now in the womb of my wife, I was so excited. I was going to be a daddy. But my responsibility just increased. Not only did my young bride have to raise up the child, but when he was old enough, he would be handed over to me, and I would get to train him. <laughs> I got a little story. I got a picture of my son, Tony. He's standing naked as a jaybird, and from head to toe, he is covered in dark grease. He wanted to be with his daddy that day, and we went to the junkyard. We went to the military hobby shop, and he was a mess. 
In fact, his first words were probably junkyard over daddy because we spent every possible time and he was in hog heaven because he got to be with his dad. Tony couldn't have been more than five years of age. Another little story, when, we were, when he was 11, my dad came up and he, we were rebuilding an old farmhouse up in Ohio. And Tony came in my room, it was like 4 o'clock in the morning, he said, Dad, is it time to get up? I said, Tony, go back to bed, do not tumble around, don't, do, don't wake up Grandpa. If you wake up Grandpa, we're all getting up. Next thing you know, I heard Tony and I heard, I went, he's going to wake up Dad. All he did was toss and turn in that bed. Pretty soon I heard my dad say, Mike, think we ought to get up? I said, I was thinking the same thing, Dad. A little bit later, Tony said, Dad, I'm so tired. I said, I do not want to hear it. We got more wires to run. We wired out an entire house because my son got my dad up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Why is that? My son wanted to be with me, and he wanted to be with my dad. You know what's really sad? Is when men don't want to be with their children. If you have a child, this morning my, my second son Jeremy called me and said, How you doing, Dad? I'm doing great, son. I miss Jeremy. The other day I had a text from Joseph. I miss my son Joe. Yesterday I got a call from Timothy. We spent over a half an hour on the phone, and I missed my son Timothy. But they're now men. And the umbilical cord has been cut. And they're on their way. Do you realize marriage is never selfish? Marriage should always be going forward. And if there's a selfishness in marriage between a man or a woman, it failed because they didn't follow God's plan. Our time is about done. But I want us to think about one other thing before we leave tonight. Let's go to the book of, book of Ephesians, and let's go to chapter 6. I'm going to ask you this question. How many of us are feeling old today? <laughs> the Bible says so in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, <clears throat> it says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Now, I want you to get this. I'm 67 years of age. And I love, I love working with children. I always have. But can you imagine if I was 967 years of age? Would I have the same desire and direction as when, at my age that I am right now? I don't know. We do know this, that Adam and Eve had children all along the way. But let me just tell you what the word nurture means. It means to chasten, and it also means chastisement. Chasten means, it doesn't mean, you stupid. No, you don't do that. What you do is you take a child and you correct their functions and their directions. Not only that, but when we bring up the word ammunition, it means to exhort, to lead. 
Exhortation means you did a good job. When we talk about marriage, we're not only talking about relationships. We're talking about eternity. Let's pray. Father, again, I want to thank you for your blessings. I ask now that you will guide us and keep us as you see fit. Watch over us in all things in Christ we pray. Amen. Brother Randy, if you will.